Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode 250. We're discussing Star Wars The Force Awakens. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. And I'm Sunday. 250 episodes of that, guys. Man, I, I tell you, this is this is an important episode for us, guys. This marks a, a very important milestone in the podcast. Not only 250 episodes, but five years of podcasting and celebrating anniversary as well is The Force Awakens. And we credit this film in particular with contributing in a large part to why this podcast exists. The hype, the fandom, the experience that that brought to us really helped push and progress this podcast to develop and really take its first steps into what we would call a much larger world. And so that's why on episode 250, guys, it is Christmas Eve for those listening, day of drop. We're going to look back at five years since The Force Awakens. A little bit of a retrospective discussion, not a full review. We're just going to walk through kind of the legacy of The Force Awakens, where it came from, where it started from, and what it looks like now, five years out from that monumental Star Wars experience. And like I said, guys, five years podcasting, five years of The Force Awakens, 250. I have to say, personally, I'm incredibly proud of this podcast and what we're able to put out each and every week. And on 250 episodes, we have to thank you guys, the listeners as well, for joining us, whether it was episode one, 100, whether it was episode 249. Thank you guys for being here with us every single week joining us on this wild journey and this just complete indulgence in nerd. We love doing this and we're happy that we can share it with you guys every single week. And to my dudes here, to the Nerd Room crew, thank you guys for making my Tuesday evenings something to look forward to every single week and just for really experiencing and enjoying all of this craziness, especially in this year with me it's been an absolute blast guys 250 episodes it's been crazy 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 and thank you guys so much for everything that you guys do for the podcast well i believe you. there was yeah man for being the master and commander of this thing <laughs> <laughs> i believe there was a bonus in my contract if we made 250 episodes yeah, but uh, you're I think only it was... at like 175. Yeah. Though, so. <laughs> so I got to keep working. Still got to put in the, the work to get yeah. that bonus. <laughs> I think Carlos <laughs> is no, catching up to you. I time off. You know what? Yeah, Carlos is catching up. I'm going to be the newbie on the podcast. <laughs> you're going to be yeah. the baby. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been something else. You know, from our humble beginning, sitting in, in Sanjay's den recording on a single microphone, to, to Troy That's jumping great. on just a couple of episodes in, and to really, I think finally completing the nerd room when Carlos took that seat and then took a quick vacation and then came back. <laughs> no, that's what he really brought us together. The four on that vacation. He's yeah. like, do I really want to do this every week with these knuckleheads? I mean, if Sanjay wasn't there, I could probably do it, but I don't know. And eventually he caved, you know, he couldn't go without seeing my beautiful face. So, Hey man, the, you, the universe wanted it to be like, I got that seat and, Within that week, Matt Reeves is like, we need to commemorate this occasion. <laughs> Here's your first look at the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. That's right. Just, That's right. just think, like over the last five years, the things that 
that we've experienced together, both inside and outside of lockdown, because sometimes this lockdown feels like it's been five years long. But we got to experience three brand, or actually five brand new Star Wars films together. We got to experience the culmination of the MCU. We got to experience Aquaman, Shazam. Come on, Troy, Shazam. Yeah, she's yeah. Well, I was, I was leaning more towards Spider-Man entering the yeah. MCU, but yeah, we can talk about Shazam. I guess. <laughs> that one of the most contentious points in the nerd room history was yeah, not only oh, the man. lack of review for Shazam, but no, I'm just kidding, guys. It, it's it's <laughs> it's been something that that I've enjoyed watching develop <laughs> is that little rivalry between Sunday and Troy, which really took seed and nucleated out of Shazam. But no, there's so much that we were able to to experience together yeah. from the Daredevil TV shows to the the you know the when we first brought in Carlos to go see Aquaman that's why I highlighted yep. Aquaman and we had to do the tester to make sure he wasn't going to kill us you know we had to no, we had that a, remains to be seen he's still on probation <laughs> yeah we met him on Twitter and then all of a sudden I was invited him into my basement <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't well, recommend first, doing that yeah first impressions last I guess yeah <laughs> it it's true it is very true a few beers later and uh, yeah it's it's history now it's ancient history because. We've experienced so much together. Troy, man, you and I at the first Fourth Friday. Oh. Yeah. Just rubbing shoulders. Crazy, man. Yeah. Ch- changed my basement, man. Changed everything. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. Just think, five years ago, prior yeah. to really all of this, prior to The Force Awakens, you had an empty basement. Yeah. <laughs> and now he has yeah. one of the most impressive collections <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I remember it was the nightstands. I had, I think I had, what was it? I picked up three black series that day that we yeah. went hunting and I had them in my nightstand forever until I got a house. And then eventually the basement just filled up, man. And the Marvel Legends, that's another one that you yeah. got me into. That's, that's what really dominated. My God. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And, and, and Sunny, man, me and you walk into the comic book shop. That's, that's really where this concept was birthed and where it grew and that's where it all that's where it all started was was comic books it was the foundation the force awakens i think really pushed us to doing more and bigger but the foundation of it is comic books you know and our love and our passion for that and finding people to share that with right i think now that we have this this really great community that surrounds the podcast we don't ever feel alone in a comic book or a movie or whatever but back then even five years ago I didn't have many people to talk to about this stuff. And so having all this now, it's it just feels like it's what well, it is every day, <laughs> whether it's the DM, Twitter, anything, right? It's this yeah. perpetual cycle of nerd. And it's been great to be able to express that through the podcast, but also with, with everyone else. Yeah, man, that one drunken night that uh, we met. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast before. So if I have, apologies. But uh, Tim was friends with uh, one of my good friends, Tyler, and uh, they lived close by. And I was out for drinks with everyone, and um, I got kind of drunk and maybe had one too many. And I borrowed my buddy Tyler's phone, and I—they've been telling me that like I would like this guy Tim that they hang out with. They said like he's in the comic books as well, but he likes Marvel. Um, but you guys would probably hit it off. So I like drunkenly took uh, Tyler's phone. And I texted Tim. I think I said something like Superman would destroy Thor or something like from Tyler. And then just waiting to get this message back from Tim. (laughs) And then like, I think Tim was just like, what? And I don't even know what he was thinking, but we ended up chatting. And then I grabbed your number 
and then I can't remember if like I invited you out to like a comic show or something, but I got your number, I got your digits, because um, I'm smooth like that. And then like the 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 relationship blossomed as you mentioned, going to the comic book shop. We would meet up at lunch um, when we were both working downtown. We would walk downtown to the comic book shop that was nearby. Actually, it wasn't nearby, man. That was like a far walk every every Tuesday, Wednesday. Like it was like two kilometers there like it, it, it's a pretty decent walk and uh, we would just chat nerd all the way there and i don't think we even stopped for two seconds to catch our breath because we'd be like yeah i'm picking up this what are you getting yeah man and then that's it and then that's how it grew yeah i've been that's set so up cool. with with actually both sanjay and troy i was blind, <laughs> blind date set up with yeah. by by friends or spouses yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't even remember the first time we met in person to be honest with you it's just like it might have been like that awkward moment or something. I don't know, but it, it seemed like I just kind of known you forever, and it just like yeah. you just hit it off instantly. Yeah, what a, what a ride, guys! And of course, it, uh, it it's something that we're gonna continue doing here, guys. And two fifty, it's an achievement, but as far as I'm concerned, it's just the beginning, boys. We got we got a lot more to do, as you heard in episode two forty nine. There is a lot coming out from Star Wars, Marvel. DC with Fandom this year is going to be an intense and crazy and wild experience going forward from 250 on to 500 to whatever it is that we get to. I never want to stop doing this. So it, it, it's it's time to, to actually do it, guys. It's time to get into the podcast. It's time to talk about The Force Awakens. It's five years, December 18th, since we've seen this movie. We never have reviewed it. We've never talked about this film in any sort of detail on the podcast other than when we're using it as a foundation discussion point to talk about The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker or really where they've taken stories. But we've never really looked back and talked about this film in any sort of detail. So that's why we chose to do this. You know, it's a, it's a cool way to reflect back on 250 and it's a cool way to, to look back on Star Wars because... Just last week, we got all this news about where Star Wars is going. Almost what you if you want to call it phase two, phase three, whatever of Star Wars. But it's definitely setting down a new path, you know, from the Mandalorian through to what they have announced in Ahsoka and the movies with Taika Waititi and Patty Jenkins. So some major, major reveals there. But we got like we got to look back as to to why and how we really got to this point, this point of. 10 Disney Plus shows and two movies coming out in the next two, three years. And it all begins really with the OT. Like you look back at the OT guys, you look back at what George Lucas created, New Hope Empire and Return of the Jedi. A lot of this was for us, at least for most of us, the first time we saw this was the special editions was when it was re-released in theaters in the late nineties and then really into the prequel trilogy. This is where, at least you and I, Troy, where we really yeah. picked up Star Wars. Yeah. Is the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and of course, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, like, masterpiece. The, the prequels were the way that I think <clears throat> we were fully integrated into Star Wars. The original trilogy had us, but the prequels is what made us current fans. It's what drove us into the figures, into the collecting, and of course, into the films and experiencing new films for the first time on the big screen. And when Revenge of the Sith debuted in 2005, we'll assume that was the concluding chapter 
of Star Wars, that that story had been told. We had seen the moment when Anakin turned to the dark side and emerged as Vader. At that point, I wasn't anticipating or getting ready for the ever-rumored episodes 7, 8, and 9. George Lucas wrote a copy, 7, 8, 9. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. And there we were at 2005 with the end of the prequel trilogy and for what we thought was the end of Star Wars on the big screen. And that, that was a significant moment, I think, for all of us, is that we had gone through and experienced a trilogy in real time, and we're at the end of it the same way that they ended in 1983. They're at the end of it thinking nothing else is coming. And lo and behold, we get a few TV shows. We get the Clone Wars through 2008 to 2013, where Star Wars kicks it up a notch. We've got Filoni entering the universe, who's now the man with the golden plan in Star Wars. We've got him bringing a new flavor, a new type of storytelling to Star Wars. This episodic, this TV sort of style of telling stories in between stories within Star Wars. And then, guys, this is when the the moment. And, you know, we could probably highlight a lot of milestones in Star Wars over the last 40 years or so. But one of the big ones, at least, for the the reinvigoration of Star Wars fandom is the Disney buyout of Lucasfilm. October 31st, 2012, we got Disney buying Lucasfilm for $4 billion. Now, this deal wasn't big, really. It is. It was huge. But it wasn't big in comparison to some of the other stuff that they bought either after or before. Pixar, $7 billion. They bought Marvel Comics in 2009 for $4.2 billion. So both of those they paid more for than Lucasfilm. And at that purchase, Bob Iger, one of my heroes, says Star Wars Episode Seven will be coming out in 2015. Long-term plan, a new Star Wars feature film every two to three years. So he put the line in the sand there, guys. Three years, or just under three years, from the purchase of Lucasfilm by Disney we are going to have a new Star Wars in front of us. Troy, man, when they announced yeah. the Disney bio and Iger said, we're getting, a, we're going to put new feature Star Wars films on screen. Yeah. Like, what did that do? Coming out of Revenge of the Sith, that being mm. one of your favorite, if not your favorite Star Wars film, thinking it was over, but yeah. now having the prospect of a long-term franchise, a long-term investment in storytelling in Star Wars through Disney, a new era really of yeah. Star Wars being put right in front of us. This was huge news, man. I remember I was still uh still think just finishing up school there. Um and I remember hearing the news that Disney is now bought out Star Wars. And I was I was pumped. I was um I was trying to get my well girlfriend at the time, wife now, uh into Star Wars <laughs> and uh, I, I was failing miserably. Um she wasn't a big fan of the prequels and she definitely didn't like uh, the Clone Wars animated movie, and um, neither did I, actually. That was actually kind of the end of my journey. So it wasn't actually after um, the 2005 Revenge of the Sith, which was ended on the high note. It was the uh, the uh, Snips introduction yeah. of Clone Wars. <laughs> and um, so it was a rough time. And then when I heard this news, I was like, wow, this is something else. Because much like pretty much everyone else, we heard the rumors, you know, on the playgrounds, episode 9 and 8 and 7 all this stuff. And, um, but you thought that was it. And so I told my wife about it. I'm like, no, this is awesome. And she's obviously a big, um, Disney fan. I think everybody was. And when I heard this, it was all anticipation and theories. 
all theories, man. Where's Luke been? What's Leia been up to? What's Han? Like, we're gonna get the original back, you know? Like, we're gonna have to touch base on that stuff. And it was just like, what does this world look like now after the Empire is down? You know, it was mm-hmm. it was so cool. And I just thought that we were we were done with all that. So when I heard that news, it was great. I wasn't into collecting at that time. It was more so for me, just movies and comic books. And I think actually around that time, maybe even a bit earlier, I can't remember, but I was reading the Dark Horse comics, yeah, uh, Dawn of the Jedi. Oh, okay. With, which, which which introduced like Tython, which is which is kind of funny now that it's uh, been reintroduced again. So, um, yeah, man, it, it was high times and it was just that countdown, man. But again, I didn't really have an outlet of people to talk to Star mm-hmm. Wars with because it certainly wasn't my wife. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no. And a, a lot of us were in that, that same situation, as I said before, is that it this movie in particular, I think, brought a lot of people out and connected a lot of people. Definitely. And it was that hype anticipation. Like, look, we we met Kyle and the crew over at Tumbling Saber, Rob yeah. over at Generation X-Wing, you know, Rob Cass. Like, all these guys came through the podcast, but really through The Force Awakens and that, that reinvigoration of, of fandom. And it was really, this is kind of the kickoff to it. Carlos, man, do you... Do you Remember the buyout here. You you go back way back with Star Wars. You're a little bit more into it now than you had been, but you'd experience the prequels and collecting and all that. The cosplaying. The cosplaying. Yeah. Yes, oh. the cosplaying. There's 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 pictures out there, guys. Yeah, oh, like it's yeah. one of those where I came to it not that much before you guys, but I was just enough that much older that I was kind of into the thick of it. So it's like the first times I saw the star Wars movies proper was, um, through the special editions. And mm-hmm. I had like, my best friend was star Wars super fan. So that was, and it was kind of neat. Like we were ahead of the curve with like the collecting and stuff. Cause I was collecting Batman stuff and he just kind of had the bug, but he's like, well, I'm not really into this stuff. And so he's like, Oh, I love star Wars. So we had bought all this really cool, OT stuff for just pennies on the dollar and then Star Wars starts ramping up with the release of the special editions and like I'm hunting stuff for him and the power of the force figures are coming out and then they announce the prequel trilogy and like the anticipation for Phantom Menace was white hot like I I've never experienced anything like that in my life like Batman 89 and Phantom Menace have not been matched so yeah like come into phantom menace and it was cool like it was an experience like to this day like i still like that movie for what it is and then uh yeah i gotta tell you like the episodes two and three like took the wind out of my sail my lady like i (laughs) i wasn't having it like (laughs) how much of a fan of sand are you (laughs) no Gets everywhere. So, (laughs) yeah, I kind of checked out on it. And it was interesting to kind of watch my buddies that were big OT fans um, get a bit disenfranchised with this series. And, like, I'll never forget Revenge of the Sith to this day. Like, with the big Vader reveal, um, like, my daughter's godfather, huge Star Wars fan. And, like, he was so hyped for this movie. And when... Anakin or Vader like steps forward for the first time and he's like no <laughs> his wife was just howling she just burst out laughing like and it was like genuine it was just her reaction and to this day that's all I think of is Natalie busting a gut in the theater <laughs> so I was like yeah I don't, I don't know about these and so then I was like 
totally checked out on Star Wars, to be honest with you. Um, up until, like, The Force Awakens, watching those guys get hyped again with the prospect of Luke and Han mm-hmm. and Leia being in these movies. And so, and obviously between Phantom Menace and now, like, I ended up getting married and my wife's best friend is a super fan of Star Wars as well. And so it was almost like this conspiracy between the two of us, they, or between the two of them, where it's like, well, we got to go see this movie together and we're taking you guys and you got to bring the kids and we'll introduce the kids to the movies and stuff. So, yeah, we went along with it and we really liked it. And then, like, that energy created a dyad in the force and all of a sudden I'm on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Buying Black Series figures. Exactly. So it's... <laughs> It's become something completely different, but yeah, without uh, that, that's kind of my journey with the franchise and uh, like, yeah, Force Awakens, if anything, like I thank it for being able to sit here now. Yeah. Kind of things. Yeah, it, it's it's done a lot. I think it's done a lot for Star Wars, but there's a lot of people that are out there and I was just listening to Tumbling Saber too this past week and they credit the Force Awakens with really seeding the idea and getting them motivated to start a podcast too. And mm-hmm. you see, if you go back and look at any podcast is up in and around this 200 plus space, most of them started right before or just after The Force Awakens. And yeah. it was really that anticipation. Like Star Wars podcasting was wild during 2015, 16, and 17. Absolutely crazy. And I think a lot of those shows have gone by the wayside, but there's still a lot of people podcasting because of the force awakens which is pretty cool it's kind of a a cool offshoot kind of result that the force awakens had really a big impact on so it uh it's really neat to to watch that space as well and how podcasting really took off there and and then for someone like sunjay man you you were way on the periphery and you know we you were making fun of yourself that you know when the podcast started you're in out in out and it's because Troy and I talked a lot of Star Wars and it just wasn't your thing. And The Force Awakens is what really got you hyped and excited for going back and actually watching all those films in anticipation and in build up to The Force Awakens. Yeah, man. Um, I had never watched any Star Wars films until The Force Awakens was coming out and just seeing your guys' excitement uh, for it and just seeing like the excitement around the world for it to be honest with you like it was it was wild it was crazy um i remember the prequel trilogy coming out but like i never went to see those in theaters uh because i was like well i haven't seen the originals so and then it just like i just never happened like i just never got around to watching them for one reason or another uh so then um you know when this came out i was like hey i, I you know i want to be involved in this so i ended up watching like the first six before this one came out and um it was super cool. Like to me, it was like kind of, it was super neat to like follow the trilogy along because I had never done that with a star Wars film before. And like, just like anytime a trailer would come out or news, you know, you guys would bring it to my attention. And then I would like, kind of be like, okay, so like, what is the second one going to mean? And like, what's the third one? How is this going to end? So for me, like this trilogy and like this new era of star Wars is all I really know of star Wars. Uh, before this time it's like i'd never really like i would see the figures in stores but i wouldn't pick them up um i would see like like and i would know who obviously who the characters were because they were so iconic right i'd be like oh yeah that's darth vader that's yoda that's luke but i wouldn't like be able to tell you like who's 
I don't know, like Obi Wan Kenobi. I'd be like, I don't know who that guy is. Just so like the main like core people like I knew, but like some like the other people like oh, I don't know. That's Ewan McGregor. He's a uh, he's a good actor. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. Like the Force Awakens kicked it off, and like um, seeing it in theaters was like we saw that thing opening weekend. I guess we'll get to opening it later, day. but yeah, like that will. experience was absolutely insane. Like. I've never experienced a film like that because, like, I didn't get to see Endgame opening weekend, uh, which would kind of be the only, like, other comparable. But, like, The Sea Force Awakens, my God, like, that, even if you're not even a fan of Star Wars, you still got to, like, see it at least once, right? Like, just to, like, go see a movie opening weekend of that magnitude is just something special. It's, like, electric. It's, like, no one else in the world has seen this film. Like, you know, like, the fans haven't seen this film. It's, like, before it goes out in the ether and before it's like out in like everyone's consciousness, it's like you get to see it and you get to like make up your mind about it. And then you get this like shared collective. Like you just wouldn't get that if that that film was streaming, you know what I mean? So like just to get that theater experience. (laughs) (laughs) Sanjay with a little bit of a plug for that theatrical (laughs) experience. I don't disagree with you and we'll get into it. Yes, for sure. Our experience at the theater and why that made that such a special event for us. Not only was the movie there and the first time we're seeing the crawl in 10 years, but it was that experience with others that, that really made this a one of a kind event. Um, and then really building into that. So that kind of gives a nice foundation for where we're all at pre the force awakens. It's we're star Wars fans, but I, and I'm almost kind of there with you, Carlos, where I was in Star Wars, but I wasn't in Star Wars, if you know what I mean. Like, I was a fan. I did some loose collecting through those years. I got into the vintage stuff a little bit, but I was never invested in it the way that I am right now. It's a very different type of fan I am right now compared to what I was pre-2014 or so. And the, the hype really started to build late 2014, end of November, is when we got our first 90-second teaser clip for the first Force Awakens that was coming out that following year. Now, this is when I think fandom really popped off. This is where we get the introduction of Finn, Rey, Kylo in very short clip scenes. If you guys remember this first teaser trailer, Finn pops up out of nowhere in that stormtrooper outfit. Do you guys remember this? It scared the hell out of me watching this teaser. And this one, I went and rewatched it today. This one, it doesn't tell you much. It gives you some really cool visuals. It shows you the falcon. It shows you the double-bladed or like kind of the sword type of, of lightsaber that Kylo has. It gives us the title, The Force Awakens. And that really started this. But to me, it's that first trailer. You guys remember this one with the ting and you see Ray and you get kind of Ray's theme there and you That's get this Maz talking, right? Yeah. She it's Ma. Yeah, yeah. About the force is calling to you and you've yeah, got, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Who are you? Yes. Who are you? And yeah. you've got, you know, a little bit of the trailer focusing on each of our new heroes, our new characters that we're going to see and really follow through the next three films in Ray, Finn, Poe, and of course the main villain, Kylo. I was raised to do one thing. But I've got nothing to fight for. 
Nothing will stand in our way. I will finish what you started. There are stories about what happened. It's true. This to me is is when it it starts to to bubble, right? It's these trailers. We we spend so much time, guys, talking about trailers in the podcast here. And if you look back at the last 250 episodes, you can see how our anticipation builds through these trailers. These trailers did something special for me, especially that trailer number 1 that came out late October 2015. But Carlos, man, when we're in this trailer space with The Force Awakens, we're back late 14, mid to late 2015. As the anticipation is growing around this, did these trailers kind of re-engage you in a way that, I guess, like you said, kind of capture the imagination of of your friends, of your family and that? Well, yeah, because there was imagery that you you would never see before, but was fundamentally Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, you get... Finn popping up in a planet that you think is tat- probably Tatooine, but it's Jakku. Um, and so it's a familiar place to you, and you have wreckage of a ship, and you have a stormtrooper, but something that you've never seen before is a stormtrooper without a mask on. Mm-hmm. And you're like, who is this guy, and what's going on, and why do you have this stormtrooper um, with some personality, which you've never seen, and um, without his mask on? Um, and then you go to things like BB-8 where he's very evocative of R2-D2 and other droids that you've seen, but yet completely new and completely different. Um, Kylo, kind of the same thing where he mirrors Darth Vader a bit, but at the same time, he's got the funky lightsaber and it's like, well, you can tell that they knew Darth Maul was cool, so they had to do something to (laughs) one-up him. And then this is the one that, Oh no! It was the first trailer that ended with Han and Chewie, right? Yeah, that was in there. The we're home because there's in yeah. the first proper trailer. It was two and a half minutes long. We get the the line from Harrison, I believe, that it, it's true all of it. And then there's a later one where it's Chewie, we're home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I I just remember like, and I, I thought more so of like my wife's best buddy when you see the Falcon and then that scene of Han and Chewie where it's like, dude, like this is, this is what you've wanted this whole time. And this is, this is the thing. 
this is the thing that nobody thought we would conceivably ever get. No. But it's here and it being realized and it's got a bunch of the old stuff, but clearly they got a pile of new things. And the the biggest piece for me was that it felt completely in sync with everything Star Wars that we had known and more so the OT than the prequel trilogy because you yeah. could tell that they had shot things on on location and there was a lot more practical effects so there was a an earthiness to it which the prequel trilogy was like definitely missing and because they leaned so heavy into the technology piece of it um, the sequel trilogy really stuck out because they had moved away from that, especially with that first imagery that you see. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost wonder if part of that wasn't a conscious effort to be like, we're showing you that we're kind of filming this in a more classical manner and whatnot. So, yeah, it was uh, it was cool, man. It was cool. Yeah. To it... see those first trailers and just that pre-hype and and even just little things. Like, JJ released that, um, that video of the Falcon and he's filming the Falcon and the Star Wars theme morphs into the, I think it was the Nolan Dark Knight theme. And he had a tumbler was attached yeah. to the bottom of the Falcon. And I was like, yo, Stu, did you like have phone your boy JJ <laughs> to try and get my hype level up or what's going on? That was it. But just small stuff like that, I was totally in. I was like, this is cool, man. This is cool. Yeah. Well, and I find at this point in time, you know, trailers are events. Right, mm-hmm. the, the trailer drop, the anticipation for them, the teaser for the teaser, and this is when it, it really starts to to become something that the the films need to grow that hype around. Like these are being released, you know, these are almost being released like movies, like new trailer on X date coming during Super Bowl and all this stuff, right? Like I've watched more football because of trailers, because of Star Wars trailers in particular. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Then I then I have, you know, just on my own accord, and so it it really does kind of show about what these trailers can do for a film. And Carlos, I fully agree with you too. The idea of familiarity in Star Wars is so important to the fandom. What these trailers were doing was giving you insight into new characters, but also reminding you that we have the legacy characters here, and everything you see in these trailers. You don't really have to think about. You see desert, like you said, tattooing. You see snow. You think Hoth, right? You see mm-hmm. the red lightsabers. You don't see Luke, and you don't really see Leia in these early trailers. But there it is. You got Chewie and Han, and you've got the Falcon. You've got some of the most important imagery in the history of Star Wars. It's there to see. It's there to consume. It makes you feel like, okay, I understand what's coming at me. And some, as we'll get into a little bit later, do fault the movie for that, for being too familiar of a Star Wars film. But, Dre, like, when we're getting into these trailers and then also building into Force Friday, this this is when your anticipation goes from, I'm excited that we're getting a new Star Wars film. I'm excited that Disney is pumping us into a new era. But man, here it is in front of us, and then damn, here are the action figures. <laughs> <laughs> the plastic yep. makes it real. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I, shoot. I guess going with the with the trailer first. I mean, the trailer really set the tone for me because uh, 
one, like I mentioned a little bit before, uh, Moskatana. Obviously, I didn't know who she was, but uh, it was. I remember uh, Lupita Nyong'o was cast mm-hmm. in this movie, and she has such a cool voice. And hearing her, you know, say like, "Who are you?" was just phenomenal. And we get that shot. I think for me, the money shot was Ray in the Superstar Destroyer, and she's like, kind of like, I don't know, she's trying to like piece things together. She's collecting a whole bunch of junk, I guess, because she. Oh she yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I think one. that's that first trailer, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's the first proper trailer. Yeah, when she's first in there and like trailer. swinging down oh, inside of and it, the yeah. scope of yes. everything and how big that destroyer is 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 amazing. And um, I think we hear Leia's theme in that trailer too, a little bit towards the end or the middle. But I was just blown away by the imagery. Um, I loved seeing John Boyega as a star trooper, star trooper, a stormtrooper, um, and just the mystery of like who's who is—is mm-hmm. is that Vader? Uh, is that Luke? Like, there's all these theories. You didn't know who was Kylo Ren. Who is this person right um then get into the figures because again like i mentioned i was very new i th- i think i was maybe maybe just jumping into the marvel selects at this time but i was never really doing any of the six inch stuff right and uh tim and i we you know he told me about this force friday thing how we we wait till like midnight we line up outside of a toys r us and we just go in man we go in there and we we, we grab figures we grab the ones that we want and i remember us being like well need Finn, need Kylo Ren, need the Ray. Like, we need, like, that main line that we see. And um, we get there, man. I, mean, I think we've told this story a couple times. Yeah, but, yes, um, we have. It's a classic There, there was, rules. Classic there was story. rules that we could only leave with, with two figures each, and we're just in there hunting down. And we, we end up with, I think, three each we did. We, so we broke two the each. rules. Two each. We did go with two each, right? Yeah, it was, it was – we were at one per. And, That's like, we've right. told the story, like, five times, but Buddy behind <laughs> us, it was, like, just, like, breathing down my neck. Yeah, being like you yeah. can't have that. And we're like, eh, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. After but you I got it, did you walk outside and wait? And you're like, I got it, bitch. Yeah, we scrapped outside. Well, <laughs> nice. Troy beat him up, and I just stood there and watched. <laughs> it's like an Anchorman fight going on in the parking yeah. lot. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was dope, and I just remember looking. You know, you look at the figures now, and like Ray's face is like, they've yeah. come a long way. But at the time, you didn't know better, and just looking at these figures, like this is so cool, and like, what do they mean? And I remember the cool thing too is there was mystery because the original Ray that we got, mm-hmm. she didn't come with a lightsaber. She just had uh, her stick. They never released her until later on after the movie came out. And there was always all this speculation, like, is her, is her stick, is it Plagueis' staff? Is it this? Is it that? Like, we didn't know what it was. There's all this mystery surrounding all these characters. And um, I think a lot of the marketing, too, at the time had um, Finn yes. with the lightsaber. So everything was just all over the place. But it was just cool to, you know, take that deep dive into these figures, which I haven't collected a Star Wars figure at that time since Power of the Force, like Jedi Knight Luke. So, <laughs> again, you know, it was like The Force Awakens was such a telling title. Right, yes. because I felt it in myself, like going back to Star Wars and stepping in there, and it, and it's um, it's it's just been a journey, man. But it was just so cool, just to be a part of more than just experiencing the movie and just watching it, just having the figures to go along with it, and having the books. Because that's another thing I never really read the Star Wars books, and then here I am picking up Claudia's Gray's Lost Stars and Lords of the Sith because now this was with Disney buying out uh, Star Wars, they erased all of like existing uh, Legends books, right? So. Uh, here we are now. They put the stamp on it that any book coming out forward and the comic books and the games, it's all going to be in continuity. And continuity is a big thing at this time because we're coming off the heels of the MCU. Yes. Right. So um, doing that, I'm like, you know what? I want all of it. I want to be reading the books. I want all the lore, all that stuff. And uh, been doing it ever since, man. And it's just been so cool. But it's Force Awakens, man. It's Force Awakens that just 
started it all, man. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, and, and you paint such a great picture of that first Force Friday. Because at that time, you and I, we knew each other. Yeah. And we'd had dinner with the spouses and all that. And we had children that were very much the same age. and yeah. But we'd never spent like a substantial amount of time together. Mm-hmm. And here I am being like, so dude, do you do you want to come wait in a parking lot with me uh, for for five hours? I'll, I'll bring chairs and water. Yeah. But does um, this rag smell like chloroform to yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but you were right on board with it, and it yeah. was it was such a cool experience. But it was awesome. like when I tell that to people that I waited for five hours out on September fourth, two thousand fifteen, to get two action figures, like people thought. I was nuts and I was so happy to find someone that shared enough passion in stores and in collecting that you would, you would really come with me and hang out and, and humor me on all of this. And it was, that was it, man. That was it. It was, it was force Friday. (laughs) Blast. Blast, Such an experience. Yeah. One of my favorites still to this day, (laughs) you know, the movie is something, but Mm -hmm. it, was really that build anticipation that was fueled through the trailers and really for me caught fire with the toys. Like 2015 oh. was a crazy year collecting. It was the force awakens and it was age of Ultron. Right. Probably my biggest year of collecting of my whole life. That was when Funko pops entered the nerd room. That yeah, was yeah. when the black series kicked off. Marvel, Marvel legends were fast and furious coming at us from age of Ultron and all that. And the hype behind age of Ultron, because we're coming off the back of Avengers one and all this build into Ultron. Like it was, it was a crazy year, 2015 to have those two films be like the, the two pillars of that year. Cute. Yeah. It it was wild. Sanjay, man, let's, let's talk about this anticipation level. And then I also want to bring in the context of the box office, something that, that we've been really focused on, for for years in the podcast here and the force awakens has two incredible milestones if you guys aren't convinced through our discussion right now that the hype was real you look at that opening weekend 247 million dollars domestically the first film to ever eclipse that 200 million dollar mark you look back to spider-man in the year 2000 the first one to go over that 100 million dollar mark and no one ever thought that 200 was even possible. And here it is, The Force Awakens in 2015 rakes in $247 million opening weekend to go on to a domestic total of $936 million, near a billion dollars in the US and Canada. That, my friends, will never be beat. Endgame did not get, well, they got about 800 something, but still $100 million off. That mm-hmm. will not be beat. So that anticipation and that success really kicked off Star Wars into this, we can do whatever we want in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Anything. Put Star Wars on it, it will sell. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But before we get, before we talk about the box office, yes. I just want to share my collecting story of The Force <laughs> Awakens because I know you guys were talking about your collecting. This film actually shaped my steelbook collecting so um when this film came out um you know we watched it i loved it in theaters and um tim had slowly started prodding me towards the dark side of steelbooks and at that time i had like maybe like two or three steelbooks you know i was just starting to collect them but i wasn't quite sure if i was really wanting to commit to steelbooks going forward or if i would just get like the regular blu-ray release with slipcover or whatnot um 
so I remember this film came out and like I didn't pre-order it or anything um, but I was like okay I'm gonna stop by Best Buy on the way home from work and if I get the steelbook great and I'll continue steelbook collecting from then on in but the steelbook sold out and it doesn't have any copies you know what hey it just wasn't meant to be you know it was fate it's not it's serendipitous I'll just collect the regular editions and I go there and I look through Best Buy and I don't see any steelbooks I'm just about to leave with the regular edition but then I spot on a shelf one remaining copy of the Force Awakens steelbook I grab it run up to the till pay for it and ever since then i've been collecting steel books so <laughs> tim and the force awakens you are the reasons why so this film you know we talk about collecting figures steel books like this is like a it's like an egg that like burst out and then like all these different like collecting happened because of the force awakens yes i think troy's analogy of something awakened in all of us is <laughs> Is very much true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, getting back to the box office, yeah, man, that was nuts. Like, you know, I have never experienced anything like that be- uh, ever since before or after. It was just such a cool time. And, like, the cool thing was, like, there was no, like, spoilers or anything. So, like, no one really knew what to expect, you know. And it- I didn't even know, like, what to expect. And it was, it was such a cool experience just – just to be in the theater at that time but then you look at the numbers and you're just like that film if any film makes that 900 million worldwide 99.999 percent of films would be like yes we did an amazing job we made 900 million dollars worldwide the fact they did that in the u.s and canada alone is absolutely mind-blowing like how is that that many theaters like you'd have to do the math like that pretty much every theater in you know in North America, like I guarantee in 52 weeks in the year, the box office doesn't do $200 million. Maybe like, you know, it probably only does over 200 million collectively a couple weeks in the year. You know what I mean? Like most of the time, every movie out there doesn't make 200, you know, like every single movie combined their box office grosses in a weekend doesn't make 200 million. But the fact that one movie was able to do it, insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Hats off to it. Like that's, that's super cool, man. Yeah. And like, if you guys remember around this time too, anyone who had ever heard of Star Wars was talking about Star Wars. Yeah. Like I had people at work that would be like, oh, you're into Star Wars? I'm taking my whole family to see it. It was crazy. The amount of people that I know that went and saw Star Wars because of the anticipation level. And that's reflected directly in the box office. But it was the hype around it that got people in the seats. This was one of the biggest cinematic events of the last decade. And it was there, it was at Christmas time, it was just a really great marketing experience, I think. Like they really sold this film. And to be honest with you, if you look at the subsequent marketing campaigns for a lot of the MCU films and all that, they took a lot of cues from this. Like this is where that teaser for the teaser came from. This is where you know, working in very secretive messaging inside of trailers and putting trailer scores to use in a, in a really a major way. You know, it wasn't, the Force Awakens wasn't the first film to do it, but they did it so well that they were able to to bring in an absolutely incredible box office haul. You know, it had been, it has been subsequently eclipsed by Endgame, which made $357 million in its opening weekend. 
but holy shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't even realize that 100 you have to bleep me again 100 plus million dollars more that's that's even crazier but that is a story for definitely another day but guys let's get into the film let's let's talk about the film and we're going to do just a retrospective discussion we're going to hit on some of the the main highlights of the film the significant moments of what star wars episode 7 the force awakens brought directed by jj abrams now let's let's talk about jj abrams at the time the mystery box man he was the guy that delivered us lost he was the guy that delivered us cloverfield all about the mystery the secretive type of filmmaking and his approach to that that close set that we will reveal nothing unless we tell you what we want you to see that was an interesting approach to it all and that secrecy i think drove a lot of the anticipation Trey, what was yeah. was Abrams the right guy for Star Wars Episode Seven? You know, he has a love and affinity for that Lucas, that Spielberg era, Super Eight, if you want to call it that. You know, he yeah. wrote, he did a couple love letter films to to that eighty style of filmmaking, and here he yeah. was hand, being handed the reins to deliver Episode Seven for us. Was he the right guy? Five years out, looking back on this. Yeah, man, J.J. Abrams, in my opinion, a thousand percent he was. I, I freaking loved what J.J. did with this film. I think he was perfect to start the franchise off with. Um, I was a big fan of his coming off of Lost. Cloverfield, I absolutely dug that movie. Actually, f- to be honest, for me, the only thing that I was like okay on was Super 8. Um, and it wasn't a bad film. It was just like, for me, his weakest thing because I really, really loved his Star Trek 2009. Mm-hmm. That was the one I saw in theaters. It was like, boom, like, I'm coming off of watching like Star Trek on on the Space Network, like the old school ones. And <laughs> yeah, man. And then when I saw uh, what he did with the 2009 and like the casting, the first introductions to Chris Hemsworth and like the time traveling aspect or different universes, I guess, I loved it, man. So when he gave us Star Wars and Carlos knows what I'm talking about with the classic lens flares. Man, yeah. I was sold. I was sold. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really cool, too, because I'm, at this time, I've never seen a Star Wars film look this way. I, I obviously it paid a lot of homage to uh, the OT trilogy, right? The originals. Yes. But like the lens, not just the lens flare, the actual lens itself was really cool. It was, you know, that, that shot that we get of the stormtroopers riding the ship oh, first thing. so cool. That was so neat, right? And, um, you know, obviously, when we get the reveal of the Millennium Falcon, uh, me coming off the prequels, I was really big into like Duel of Fates, lightsaber battles, and obviously the battle on Mustafar. I love those lightsaber battles and still my all time favorites. But I really liked what he did at the end of Force Awakens the subtlety of the lightsaber battle is a little more calmed down, it's kind of like a more of a glorified version of the original trilogy, but still enough to give you some action chops, mm. right? And I really, really like what he did there. I think JJ was great. I really do. Um, I won't go into the movie afterwards, but I think JJ <laughs> nailed it, nailed it with episode seven. And, um, you know, we mentioned already, like going into the film, our anticipation levels and what was going on. But I've been there before with Amazing Spider-Man 2, and I was let down by the film. JJ, in my opinion, delivered because I was I, it could have it could have been pretty bad, in my opinion. But the movie was so cool. Um, it just left my anticipations level for the next one. Yeah, ten times higher. I, I fell in love with all the characters. Ray, in my opinion, was the best she's ever been. I loved Finn. I loved Poe. I loved the music. Everything, man. Like Force Awakens, it's in my top three Star Wars films, right? Yeah. Like I, I absolutely love that film. So, the question you ask, yeah, is JJ the man? Absolutely, man. Thousand percent, he's the right guy to do this. Yeah, Carl, throw your voice at this, man. JJ Abrams, the Black Box Man, 
you know, he he created what some could call a safe Star Wars film. But in my opinion, I, I'm fully there with you, Troy. Like, I yeah. think that there was a certain movie that had to be delivered at the start of this sequel trilogy. It had to be something that introduced new characters, but also brought back the original trilogy folks, brought back people yeah. that needed to feel comfortable in the Star Wars space. Carlos, like, was this the right approach and the right guy to deliver that? And did they need it to deliver that? Or would you have preferred them going a bit askew to what we are familiar with and doing something completely out there? Like, you know, you could say we're seeing in the Mandalorian right now. Yeah, no, I, I think JJ was a pretty astute choice. Like probably the biggest thing for me as like, I'm probably like equal Star Trek, Star Wars kind of guy heresy. I know to some of our listeners out there (laughs) and uh, members of the Commonwealth, but like, the the biggest accomplishment that he had with the 2009 Star Trek, because like the Star Trek fans, like, man, those guys, how they get crazy in the weeds is like nothing I've ever seen. But that he honored what went before, but built in a mechanism to make it its own unique thing mm-hmm. that could retread the past, but could just grow forward and uh, blossom whatever you want out of it was amazing to me so i think he was the right choice for this um in that star wars was conceivably in an equally difficult spot coming off the prequels and kind of what sentiment was towards the franchise at the time i don't think it was as certain um uh, as it kind of was proven to be once opening night rolled around but uh yeah jj was the man and like with him introducing the new characters and the thing that he's always done well is his um, character development and his ability to build interesting re- relationships between his main players and whatnot. And the imagery in this movie was absolutely phenomenal. Yes. So it captured you on so many levels. It, it, if I do have a knock on the movie and like why it doesn't rank in my favorites, it's totally karaoke a new hope like it's basically the same movie but just in a new setting and it was a smart play for sure to kind of do it that way but if i'm like looking at the franchise one step back and saying like kind of how to rate these projects on their merits as films it's like i I can't give huge props to force awakens because it's like it's beat for beat a new hope but it worked it worked for a ton of people and it it launched this franchise kind of thing and if you look at the reception to the last jedi it's arguable that that was the right approach to take to it Mm -hmm. and i i don't know i think i out of the four of us i'm certainly the one that likes the last jedi the most i think so (laughs) yeah it's interesting point you bring forward and then it's something that's going to be cool to bring this conversation is the benefit of hindsight all this, right? We've seen the Skywalker saga play out here all through three films and looking back on what I think is the most common criticism of the film is its derivative nature of some of the OT stuff, specifically A New Hope. And it's it's funny because when I watched it for the first time, I never got that. I, 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 I get it. When people point it out, I can understand the point that yes, it does feel slightly derivative of the other film, but it was, I think there was one main driver here. It re-engaged a fandom and yep. bring in an entirely new base into this. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And this is the only type of movie. Like, you could have delivered something that was wildly different like The Last Jedi. And what does that do going forward? Like, if you get something like The Last Jedi that didn't feel as familiar, had character beats that went down a certain path that some agree with and some don't, if, if that was the first film out of the gate, how different does this conversation look? And how different does fandom look? You know, the, the biggest knock of it being like, okay, yeah, it feels a lot like A New Hope, which some rate as one of the best films of all time, right. yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it's hard yeah. to argue with that strategy. Yeah. And you look at a guy like J.J. Abrams, who, in like, for me, he's the guy that, that wrote love letters to Spielberg through film. Yeah. Right? Like, and you guys are right to bring in Star Trek, rebooting a franchise. He had experience with that. A beloved franchise set in space he kicked that thing off to to very very positive reaction and for him to be mm-hmm. handed something like this like this was the most important film i would say for disney in a long time like the mcu was off and running at this point you know they didn't bear the the brunt or the risk of the early mcu stuff that was you know already kind of rolling forward they let it play out but this you know for their investment and for the promise that Star Wars was going to be one of those tent poles for them, and really is still today one of their main features, like they invest billions of dollars into two parks, this had to work. You had to execute this, and, and Abrams was the guy to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, this had the it had the ball and chain of the weight of expectation on yes, it, right? 100%. Which the MCU never did. No. Nobody had any expectations of it, and it's just like those movies come out, and oh, I love it. Give me another one. Oh, I didn't know what this was, but I loved it. Whereas this is like, I know exactly yeah. what, you, what I want, <laughs> and you best give it to me, kind of thing. And so. if you don't, well, we will have a discussion about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we won't spill the tico on that. No. Sunny <laughs> <laughs> man. With the benefit of hindsight on this, looking back, and you're a fan of that Star Trek reboot, and looking at how this plays out, you know, what about this film do you think sets the proper foundation for what was just an incredible ride for Star Wars for the last five years? Um, You know... I think it's just a ridiculously fun movie. Like there's stuff always going on. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but in parts where it's serious, it is serious. Um, it's got humor. It's, it's kind of got a little bit of everything and it's got the familiar characters. You know, you get to see, it's like seeing family members that you haven't seen in a long time and you get to see them again on the screen. You're like, Hey, there's Chewie, there's R2D2, um, you know, there's Luke, there's Leia. And it was just all that put together. Like it could have been, you know, it could have been bogged down by like exposition and like all this stuff trying to make like the story like really like complex. But to me, like it was just like really fun, amazing special effects and just a great time when you're watching it. So I think that's kind of what sets the foundation is just like you see it and it's like a two hour, two and two hour, 15 minute movie, but it doesn't feel like it. You know, you see it, it's brisk, man. I watched it again the other day. It's boom, 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 boom. You know, and uh, I think that kind of like set it up where it's just like, okay, like 
you just like feel like happy and invigorated after you watch it and you're like all right let's do it again let's let's go see episode eight now you know what i mean like or let's go see rogue one i guess was the one that came after it um i think that's what set it up um one question i have for you guys uh quickly here um you don't have to expand or you can do you you were talking about jj abrams like yeah that that was the man he he you know he did a great job go back and but disney comes to you and says okay pick a director to direct episode seven and jj abrams is off the table who would you pick you had to pick someone uh who would you pick I, I mean i guess it could be anyone now like people who have like kind of gone big since this film are eligible but like who would you think would have been like a equally as good if not better choice to direct um for me, the obvious choice right now is yes. uh, John Favreau. Yeah, <laughs> John Favreau for sure. He he was Coming on a he was on a short list for this. He was, eh? Yeah, yeah. he was. Oh, David yeah. Fitchner was another guy who was short list. That would have been cool. Uh, Steven Spielberg, I think, would have always been cool too to like actually mm-hmm. see him uh, direct one. Matthew Vaughn would be one for me if you're going to like the Star Wars, like a Star Wars story, not necessarily like the the one to like the episodic films. But I think mm-hmm. Matthew would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Patty nice. Jenkins is mine. Yeah, Ooh. nice, nice. Very well said. Yes, which is, yes. Which is happening. Yeah, it's you're going you, down. You're going to get something special from her. That's my like yeah. one of my most anticipated films now, just with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Crazy, great. Well, the the point of of bringing JJ in was, I think, to create some familiarity in Star Wars again. But he was also charged with the task of introducing a new group of heroes, someone to grow with someone to develop with and someone to really walk us through as we're saying goodbye really to the legacy cast throughout this trilogy and let's talk about the heroes first ray finn and poe these are the big three that are put in front of us and they they all have similar paths that we've seen in previous star wars films father issues parent issues orphans it it rings very true to the themes that we see in star wars the development of all these characters at least for the most part are are two main ones here in in ray and finn but to me the the introduction specifically of ray to this where it where it holds a lot of significance for me is that my daughter wasn't old enough at this time to to watch this film and understand what's going on but since then Ray has become her her way into Star Wars. This is her avenue. This is her path into this franchise. She doesn't really connect that much with Princess Leia. And she's had her moments with Ahsoka and Hera and that. But it's really Ray and putting a female in the forefront as the lead in a Star Wars film. You'd always had that strong presence of Carrie Fisher, but she wasn't the the focal point hero that Luke was. And in this story, we get Ray. And it's it's interesting how, like, again, looking back on it, like, you know, some have called her a Mary Sue. Some have said, you know, she develops in a much quicker way relative to Luke, who had this legacy. We get an understanding of her origin in subsequent films, but to me, her, the mystery behind her was always so intriguing. Who was she? You know, you mentioned from Azkatana, like, who are you? That line's not even in the film. It's only in the trailer. But it still rings so significant to me that this character was kind of dropped in front of us 
And the idea and the concept that her or that she was kept secret, that she was the actual force sense of the Jedi in this. And we didn't really know this until we got into the film. It, it tried the, the idea of, of Ray and making her the focal point, the hero, she's going on the journey and then to be joined by a caliber of actor like John Boyega and, and the character of Finn and Oscar Isaac in Poe, who is really the first hero we see on screen too, right. as yeah. we jump into the film. The the big three here, and you know, we, we do have the benefit of seeing them carry on, but I think, at least for me, this is the best all three of them are. Um, at least holistically as characters, and the most development they get in any Star Wars sequel trilogy film. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm 100% there with you. Um, For me, the standout really, um, even more than the character development in this film, was their chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, Instantly, I felt a connection between uh, Poe and Finn when Poe gives Finn the title, the name, names yeah. him basically. Um, they're there fighting side by side. Uh, it, it was just like, man, like those those are bros. And I was, I, I was, I was loving it. And then <laughs> Finn's kind of on and off like flirtatious but like very respectful relationship of uh of ray was another standout in my opinion and i just felt like man like we're in really good hands here with the big three like this is the new big three give it to me because the whole time watching the film um i wasn't ever really like okay give me give me give me luke give me leia give me han not right away because no. i really loved what they were doing particularly with finn and uh ray because we, they had a lot of screen time together the idea of this stormtrooper tor- turning good was something like we've never seen live action when it came to star wars and i thought finn's story was just so cool um you know we get a lot of mando acting these days and it's interesting to see how his emotions can kind of convey the audience without you knowing knowing exactly how he feels right and I feel like Finn channeled that as well when we see him uh, basically fail to execute the order that Kylo Ren in the First Order has ordered him to like execute those uh, those civilians on uh, Jakku, and he's just there standing with like the helmet and like the blood running down his mm-hmm. his mask, and you can tell exactly what he's feeling. And I I loved it. I freaking loved it. And um, just to see him carry on with with Ray there, right? Like you know, Maz Katana kind of calls him out, but like, what are you running from? I've seen that in your eyes. Like I've seen those eyes kind of before, and why are you running and to see his full on turn um, to the good side, basically is very star Wars for me. It's, it's like a very Han Solo kind of move, yeah. right? We've seen him do something like that similar. And uh, so that was a standout for me, Ray as well, man, Ray. Um, that's, that's the hot toy I've been hunting down. That's <laughs> my favorite Ray. And uh, I, I love that character. You mentioned it, like the mystery box around her. It was the coolest thing of like, who are you? Because going into this movie, there's a lot of questions like who's Kylo Ren, who's Finn, who's Poe, who's yada, yada. But Ray was the one that we never really got answered. And it was just kind of like hanging over our heads for so long. Yeah. And I loved it. I really just loved that idea. And, it, you know, with Star Wars, it was like, I think is Ray that really like, created a hard hard theory crafting base oh, around yeah. her right and it was it was awesome man i remember going on the youtube videos or google and discussions amongst ourselves like who is she could she be here could she be luke's kid is she obi-wan's kid that sequence with the lightsaber that sequence with the lightsaber was the coolest things yeah. i've seen um and we're getting like the the callbacks to like empire and obi-wan kenobi um ewan mcgregor and alec mcginnis's voice mixed together there's so much goodness that was just like, man, this this character is going to be this character right now for me is very, very special. And uh, I, I, I forever loved it. Um, Poe, for me, I didn't get enough to work with off of him. Mm-hmm. 
but Oscar Isaac's just such an incredible actor. And I think where he was cast in this film is like where he, he excels the most in action. Yeah. So I don't feel like he's the best action star, but the limitations of this Poe Dameron works for Oscar Isaac. I don't expect him to go out like a solid snake or like a Terminator, but I feel as in his role as like a Poe, he's, he's perfect. And, and they worked well with that. And, uh, and, and another one, my last one, too, is, is Maz. I feel like yeah. Maz Katana was a really cool, interesting character that's kind of like, not necessarily your, your Yoda, but she's been around and she's seen this universe. And when we see her castle with, like, I think either it happened or his concept, but there was, like, the potential of the um, the pod racing flags. Yes. And, like, Boba Fett's, like, um, emblem and whatnot, I think. Or at least it was there or is removed, but there's concepts of it. And that whole idea to me was so cool and how she would talk to, to Chewbacca, like, where's my boyfriend? I love mm-hmm. that Wookiee. Like, all that stuff to me was just, it was so cool. And she felt very well like she's been there before with her and Harrison Ford's connection too, their their relationship, their chemistry. All that stuff just worked for me, man. Is is magic, in my yeah. opinion. All yeah, of that. It really yeah. was. And you really highlighted some great points about Finn there. And I always found that Finn was the perfect character for the audience, right? Because he's mm-hmm. the one that's running around questioning all this stuff. The same yeah. way we are as we're sitting in our seats. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you doing? What is the force? <laughs> Who are yeah. you? You're Han Solo? Yeah. Like, and yeah, my name is my name is this. No, it's not. Okay, my name is Finn now. Like, he goes through this, like, really great like arc early on in the story and Boyega carries it so oh, well. He's never so well. given that opportunity again. No. To to do oh. that. And it it was always such I, I you know, I, I really enjoy the rest of the sequel trilogy. And this isn't about going into those, but Boyega did something so great in this film. Yeah. And he was never given that opportunity again to to yeah. shine like this. Like he really carries the first half of this film. Definitely. Because like that, he's the one we're following around, right? He is everywhere. He's with the First Order. He's yeah. with the Resistance. He's with Ray. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's it's a cool character to to really follow around. Like, and I even like when he pulls off the helmet, he's walking through. Like, I feel like you know, I got all this imagery stuck in my head of him walking through the desert, shedding all the stormtroopers. Oh yeah. And I, I feel yeah. like that's like Abram saying, like, all right, guys, let's put down all of this other Star Wars stuff, and <laughs> we're gonna walk <laughs> with this new new group of characters and. Here's all your baggage is now behind you, and we're gonna kick this film off, right? And so it, it was a lot of fun. Now, now, Sunny Man, this this being your first real like theatrical Star Wars experience, you're kind of being thrust into the deep end with these new characters. How what was your reception like to these new heroes? And then also bring into the conversation a bit of the villainy side here, because one of the characters were introduced right off the bat, along with these three characters, is Kylo Ren. And his look is still to this day in this film, one of my favorite Star Wars villain looks like the classic black masked version of a villain in Star Wars. That is still one of my favorite action figures is Kylo Ren. So Sonny, man, these are the, these are the characters. These four characters are the characters that the new foundation of Star Wars is built off of. Yeah, man. Like, as you mentioned, like the, the heroes all were fantastic. And like, to me, what was kind of cool was uh, so you have Daisy Ridley, um, John Boyega, and uh, um, Oscar, Isaac. Oscar Isaacs, and uh, you know they had been in you know they may have done like small stuff here or there um, before this film comes out, but you talk about like a star turning role, like these three people 
for the rest of their lives will be associated with these three characters, no matter what they do. <laughs> and they kind of just blew up and to see them like, you know, I don't know. man. I think that's just like something that's super cool. Like to me, it's kind of like something earnest because it's like, they're not like these big stars. It's like when you go back and watch the first star Wars, you get that feeling, right? Episode four, you're like, okay, these people are just going out in the desert and shooting and they don't know what's to come, right? And this one, you know, they kind of know they're going to be big stars. But, like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's so cool. It's, like, it's not these, like, Hollywood huge mega weights that are portraying these characters, right? They're all um, they're all kind of newcomers. And I thought that was super cool. And, like, the pressure on them to perform just on a personal level, I couldn't even imagine. And they all knocked it out of the park. So, man, just hats off to them. And uh, Kylo Ren, yeah, man, like Adam Driver as well. Like he, I had seen him on that show Girls. I watched that for like one season. And so like at first I was like, okay, like he's kind of like this like weird guy. But then with Kylo Ren, he's like so intimidating when he has the helmet on and the voice. Like he's just mm-hmm. so, it. it works for me, right? It's so good. And like, man, and when he takes the helmet off, like I think it kind of loses it a bit because the helmet is so powerful that you just, I didn't expect him to take it off, right? Like, Darth Vader never takes off his helmet, only at the end. Uh, but, like, you know, Kylo Ren, man, his helmet, when it was on, and his voice was terrifying me, man. It was, like, sounds of Bane or something. Like, it was so cool. Um, yeah, man. And then, yeah, the Adam Driver, man, then he just got swole. And then he just walked around without a shirt on <laughs> after that and just became a mega hunk. But uh, yeah, man, he's, he's pretty sweet, man. Like Kylo Ren. And t- if you talk about like cool villains outside of like comic book lore in the past 10 years, he's got to be up there. as like mm-hmm. one of the top ones. He's just iconic now. Yeah. That, that reveal when he took the helmet off, that was shocking in the theater. Cause you're expecting the scarred burnt individual, right? And yeah. he has this like baby face, long hair. You know what I mean? Like it, it was it was just such an abrupt turn from what I was expecting. And but it oh, works. Yeah. It works. It, it was the moment a thousand Rilo fan fiction stories were born. <laughs> Raylo. <laughs> Raylo, yes. <laughs> uh, Carlos Band, like <laughs> going off of this conversation here and the introduction of these new heroes and also the villain that we're, we follow through the next three films. Do you think that these characters will have that, that longevity, that legacy that we do see from the original trilogy characters that, that do have a presence in this film? Like, will we be talking about these three or four individuals, these characters in 20, 30 years time, or will they be, kind of pushed aside and we're still going to be talking about Han, Luke and Leia. Yeah, I think so. Like I don't really have nostalgia goggles for the franchise. And honestly, Ray is my favorite protagonist out of all of them. Like I'd like her better than Luke and whoever was the main guy in the prequel trilogy. <laughs> I don't know. But you dressed up as one of them. Come on. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I, just, I was just trying to get a reaction out of you. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. Like, you look at those three characters and, like, our kids growing up with them, like, my daughter was putting the three buns in her hair and she's got a BB-8 sitting by her bed and stuff like that. So, yeah, I... I think so. Like, and I, I think that these characters had more 
um, they were developed in a more global and human way so that young kids growing up with them will be able to relate to them better than mm-hmm. any of the other ones. So I don't think that they'll be any different than um, the original trilogy characters. So I think probably the main difference between uh, the longevity of these characters and the ones before is there's just more things competing in that pop culture yeah. space with Star Wars now as opposed to back then. But as far as the quality of the characters and how well they were written and how cool they were, like I think the three protagonists are probably as strong as anybody that's come before them. Uh, Kylo, I, I don't know that he'd ever reached the heights of Darth Vader or even a Darth Maul for that matter of mm-hmm. fact. But at the same time, like he wasn't meant to be this no. all evil um just kind of menacing presence the whole time. Like right from that first movie, there was things that made him different and set him apart. And um, his heroic turn might've been a bit abrupt in rise of Skywalker, but it was certainly kind of set up from the outset. So yeah, that um, light dark struggle that he went on was definitely there from the beginning. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's almost some of the unfortunate part about, I think, and this is just my opinion, guys, about how these characters are handled going forward. I think Abrams had a path, right, for these characters. And that fell victim to different creatives coming on and the lack of, I think, a through-going commonality of narrative in these films. Like, I think we get a really great foundation for all of these characters, and they kind of meander a bit. You know, particularly Finn and Poe, I find, mm-hmm. where the focal point is really driven at Ray and Kylo, and that's okay. But you have these great characters that that really never get that moment. And, and going like, I just wish there's a bit more substance and following up on the from this film on those three characters because they they got a lot of screen time here, and they they even shared a lot of it too with our legacy characters because the one thing that this film had to do was treat the original trilogy characters with some form of respect, but also not have them eclipse this new set of protagonists and antagonists. You couldn't have Vader and Leia and Luke, Han and Chewie and all that, overshadowing this new generation you're bringing. As much as everyone may have wanted that at the onset, you also have to look at it from the perspective of the storyteller and of Disney. They wanted a new set of characters to build with. They couldn't do that with a 70-plus-year-old Han. Like, it just wasn't feasible. And so I think the way they treated the legacy characters and giving them the space to grow a little bit more and also each film kind of focus in on one of those characters, and this one being Han's story, right? And in a very, very big way. It's it's something that they had to do. And I think it was done really well. Carlos, like when you're looking back and you're talking about the legacy of these characters and now let's look at the legacy of this film as, as in part Han's film, because to be honest with you, Harrison Ford played a lot larger part than I was anticipating going into this. I was looking at these guys as like glorified cameos. Maybe he shows up in the Falcon later on the film to kind of bump the resistance over the edge. Like he did in a new hope, but they gave him a lot of space to move in this and a lot of screen time. And that helps Kylo Ren too. That helps that character development. It helps Ray as well. They give that character kind of the, or at least the other two characters in Ray and Kylo, they use Han Solo to progress that quite a bit. 
like the way they handle the legacy characters in this do you think it, it serves the purpose that it needed or does it subtract away from some of the attention that some of these other characters like i say a poe could have gotten in the absence of a a longer and more extended han solo arc in this film no, I think you put it perfectly in that they balance them in such a way that they don't end up eclipsing the new characters that you're trying to develop. Like you never put Poe Dameron in a position where he gets outflown or outpiloted by Han Solo and making him look like he needs to step up. And you you use them perfectly to play the role of mentors passing the torch on mm-hmm. and certainly Han and Leia for sure with that. Um, yeah, I, I think they did a pretty admirable job. And to be honest, I think they did a great job through all three movies, making sure yeah. that those trappings of that original trilogy didn't eclipse these new characters and put them in a position where they could conceivably move forward with um, their own story arcs and their own projects and, their own adventures kind of thing. Like to be honest, like halfway, like at the end of force awakens, I didn't feel like I needed Han and Leia anymore Mm -hmm. to have a role in this movie. Like obviously you need to square away what's going on with Luke Skywalker type of thing. But um, yeah. And most other franchises or filmmakers, I don't think would be astute enough to, to juggle that and to put them out to pasture, but let the new characters kind of build on, that foundation that those original trilogy characters have built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking about legacy characters, Troy, there's, there's two characters that, that stand out and could have really changed the trajectory of this franchise and could have overshadowed this entire movie. And that is Darth Vader. And that is Luke Skywalker. Two of the, if not the most important characters mm. in star Wars at this point in time. Now, we don't. We get a slight image of Vader, and I and I want you to bring Kylo into this a little bit too, because you're shaking your head mm-hmm. in agreement about how much you like Kylo Ren, mm-hmm. and then also the lack of Luke Skywalker. We get a lot of Solo, a bit of Leia, Chewie's in there, C three PO, R two. Everyone has their moments, mm-hmm. and we're all waiting, waiting, waiting. How much time is left in this film? <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> it's been two hours and we haven't seen Luke yet? How, like, how did you feel about the? the lack of inclusion of Luke mm-hmm. and what they use Vader for and how standing him up against Kylo may or may not have worked in the long term. Like does Kylo work for you when you have Vader in the background there and does not using Luke work for you as well? So to go with episode seven, uh, Luke, the lack of Luke being present, uh, worked for me. And it was, again, it was something that built on the anticipation, um, that mystery box, right? Where's Luke? What's happened? Um, try creating a Jedi order. Um, one of his apprentice or Padawans turned on him, right? Brought the whole temple down. So that whole thing, cause I think Han goes over that. Um, that whole thing worked for me and that was really cool. Um, Kylo Ren kind of having this back and forth with what he thinks he's talking to is like Vader's helmet. That was kind of cool. That was neat. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I wasn't expecting Vader to pop up because he is—he's he, dead. He's gone. Um, I do remember there was some concept art that JJ did have of like, what if they had like an Anakin Vader Force Ghost that were kind of like a hybrid. Yeah. So Anakin wasn't quite good and Vader wasn't quite bad. They were kind of like mixed together, and I saw that and that looked cool. But it would kind of take away a lot of like the whole 
trilogy, uh, the whole six movies originally, right? So, um, the lack of Vader being present, obviously, that worked for me too. But in the world of Star Wars, there's Force ghosts, and the, one of the biggest takeaways is this is 30 years after um, Episode Six, so you'd have to imagine with everything going on, um, a Yoda, an Obi Wan. And an Anakin not being present to talk any sense to either Luke or Obi or 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 Ben Kylo Ren is is weird. And maybe like now they will kind of go back and explain some of that stuff. But during that time, I always thought that was kind of mm. weird. It didn't throw me off enough because I thought, okay, going into eight and nine, we're gonna figure that out. Yeah. So that's the only reason why like seven for me gets that big pass. But looking in hindsight now, it would just be like not even necessarily Anakin showing up, but one of those force ghosts to show up and mm. be like, I guess Anakin would make the most sense. Cause it's like, look, kid been there, done that doesn't yeah. work well, you know? <laughs> well, and so, it, yeah. it's interesting too, about, about Luke there. And you mentioned that you're okay with his absence. I think in the moment I was like, where the hell is Luke Skywalker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but looking back on it, I'm like, okay, that, that made sense. I don't think, you know, and just talking with, with a few minutes ago there, the points that Carl's brought up about this, this nice balance that they found you put Luke into this film, mm-hmm. then, then you're starting to take away half of the film to explain Han what's going on there. And Luke, what's going on over here, right? Like mm-hmm. he's mentioned in the crawl, but you don't get him until the last 10 seconds of the film. And what, yeah. and what a cliffhanger. Exactly. What a way exactly. to use that character. Like, I don't know how many of you guys sat in the theater and when that lightsaber went zipping by Kylo and Ray caught it, oh yeah, like how many people thought that was Luke? Like, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I was like, Luke's here. I thought that was Luke coming there with his X-wing, and he was just gonna save the day. Yeah. And um, and that was one of the things because a lot of people, you know, predicted like Luke's gonna show up, and like that's the fun things with Star Wars, right? Where like you can make your theories all you want. If it doesn't happen, it's not a bad thing, right? So those are the one of those situations where it's like, yeah, in my head, I'm like, Luke's gonna show up doesn't show up and i'm like cool i actually like this yeah. outcome better you know mm-hmm. so that's like the fun parts with with star wars is you know kind of having that those, those theories not yeah. always working in your favor right so yeah, yeah. What, a, what a crazy cliffhanger all that was oh that's awesome that was awesome <laughs> that was awesome no, i no, wonder son... what he's gonna do is he gonna take the lightsaber i can't wait to find out in episode eight brown yeah. <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> sonny man looking looking at this this film as a whole as a Star Wars film, you know, one of the things that you always need is is those big battles. The the Millennium Falcon and the TIE Fighters and the X-Wings. The, this film has some pretty wild visuals around space flight or spacecraft flight. One of them being on Jakku with the Millennium Falcon. And then there's also the Battle of Takodana where you have the X-Wings skimming across the water there as they come in to to save Han and and Ray and Finn and all that the the moments there are are seamless with what they did with the visual effects but they also harken back to what we need in Star Wars beyond the lightsabers and the force it is these battles these aerial battles man did did the force awakens bring it in the same way that you had seen all those previous six films, you know, given that we've got 40 years on in visual effects, but not going to the same extent as we saw in the prequel trilogy, this nice balance that the sequel trilogy finds, and in particular, the force awakens with visual effects 
and overall battles in Star Wars. You know, we've always got those personalized battles hand-to-hand, and then you've always got something going on up in space. How would you feel about all those in The Force Awakens? Yeah, man. Like, when you go back and watch the original trilogy, the special effects still look flawless. Like, they look amazing. And you're like, this thing was made, like, 40, 50 years ago? Like, that's crazy. And then you go watch the prequels, and man, I love them. But sometimes, you know, some of the scenes don't really, like, age that well because, you know, it was new technology at the time, and it was trailblazing a lot of stuff. And, you know, I'm sure at the time they looked groundbreaking and flawless. Um, but sometimes you can notice uh, some CGI kind of sticks out, uh, you know, like 20 years later. Uh, this film here, I think, will be like the original trilogy where, like, you go back in when we're watching this in, like, 2040. Um, I think the visuals will still look spectacular. I think the visuals here are going to look incredible. Like, they look so good. They were so groundbreaking when they came out five years ago. And even, like, five years is a long time in terms of, like, filmmaking of, like, special effects. It may not seem that long, but special effects are always, like, constantly changing. And these things here, if this film was plopped and came out in 2021, I'll say, uh, in a theater in 2021, (laughs) people would be still raving about the special effects. That's how good they were. Um when you look at the battles and how they were set up in the back background of the battles, like they were all cool and interesting locations. Uh, you know, you had the castle and then you had um, the millennium Falcon go through that giant ship. Like that was just super cool. So um, man, like, yeah, the special effects and the battles top notch. And yeah, I'm saying that when we, when we look back in 20 years, you know, 2040, 2050, people are going to be like, yeah, like the special effects here still, still bring it, you yeah. know? They hold up. And I think it, like you had mentioned earlier on in the podcast here, Carlos, is that marrying of the technology, but not pushing it to the extent that it was done in in the prequel trilogy and using those on set, the location shoots that brings that, that true realism to what they're able to accomplish in the force awakens. Mm -hmm. Now, Carlos, when, when you look back on this film, you know, this being a retrospective discussion, we're not going to go through every single beat. There's there's lots still to break down here and discuss. We can go on another two hours. There's Snoke, the death of Han Solo, even the idea of the resistance and the emergence of the First Order, General Hux, and C-3PO's red arm. You know, there, there's so much in here that, that we can continue to talk about. But the idea of the retrospective discussion is is really looking back at those significant milestones and we've kind of ticked most of those boxes, right? The the foundation setting of an overall narrative. We've got our, our protagonist, our antagonist, the legacy of Star Wars built into this. But when you look back on this five years, or from this point, five years back, what is the thing, the singular thing, or it could be multiple, that really stands out to you in this film? What it accomplished and what it did from a film perspective, a race kind of, the legacy of it and what it led into with episode eight, nine and where the franchise is at today. But when you look back on the significance of whether it's the experience, whether it is what Abrams was able to accomplish from a story perspective, what is it about this film that will kind of live on and truly sets the legacy for the sequel trilogy? I think that it reestablished that, Star Wars is the biggest, baddest mofo (laughs) in the pop culture zeitgeist. Like, it came out, it blew everybody away, everybody loved it, everybody 
was a little kid again if you experienced it in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 2000s. It, it was a big love fest, and it reestablished Star Wars as like a dominant IP, which it like had been but hadn't been kind of thing, right? And it really brought all those um, generational fandoms together. So I think that's probably the biggest legacy uh, of The Force Awakens was that it reestablished Star Wars and it allowed it to transcend a few kind of hiccups along the way, right, with other projects that they tried that maybe didn't get the universal embrace that this one did. But it gave you enough latitude and enough goodwill that you can mm -hmm. get to the Mandalorian and all of a sudden you're kind of right in that same spot that you were when The Force Awakens came out where everybody loves Star Wars again, everybody's hankering for the next uh, piece to come out, um, anticipation. That's amazing. Like, that's that's what it did. I'm buying Black Series figures, but that <laughs> wouldn't have been happened. That would never have happened without The Force Awakens kind of thing, right? So, yeah, I think that that's probably the biggest accomplishment of The Force Awakens was yeah. that all these other things came in and are trying to eat at that pop culture crown and yeah han solo flies in with that millennium falcon and was like yo guess who's back <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say han solo though because when he gets his own movie it's a different story yeah <laughs> yeah that's true i don't uh, I, I still don't quite understand what happened with that whole thing like Rick keeps asking to make Solo 2 happen, but... <laughs> kind of got it in, in Lando, though, no? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> Solo 1.5. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some legacy there. Now, now Sonny, how about you, man? What, what From your perspective, you know, you're probably the most removed from Star Wars, but you're way more invested in this franchise than you were in 2014. You have to listen to us week on week out talk about this. <laughs> what yeah. what about for you? Like, what is the legacy of this film five years out? And and for you personally, what has it done for your love of Star Wars? Yeah, man. Like thinking of like a legacy for this film, like what it leaves behind. You know, to me, I'll just always remember going to see it in opening weekend in theater, and yeah. like the legacy of like I don't remember if Troy was there. Sorry, Troy, if you were there, he was. <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay. But you had like 30 tickets. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we're talking about the highest grossing film opening weekend of all time at the time. And you had 30 tickets. Like, you, we had like two rows. Like, it was insane the amount of people that we had that day. It was just such a cool experience. Like, yeah. I've never been to a movie with that many people. Like, it could have been like a private showing if the movie was in 2020 like we could have like booked the whole theater because yeah, it was like a 500 dollar charge or something to get all those tickets <laughs> but think about all the scene points you got <laughs> yeah it was pretty good actually yeah and i remember going with my wife and that was the first time she had seen star wars in theaters as well um so like that was a really cool experience so to me i'll always just remember that experience of just like just the hype and like you know uh with endgame um you know, my daughter was born just before then. So uh, I didn't get to go see it opening weekend with you guys. So, like, this is kind of like the biggest thing. And then like, it's funny because like episode eight and episode nine 
slowly get like less and less people that came with us in the but like episode seven like ben that was that was wild like that was just such a cool time i'm so glad troy was there knowing that he's there now (laughs) (laughs) carlos were you there maybe you were there (laughs) no i was i was rise of skywalker no i'm just kidding i'm just (laughs) No. <laughs> I can well, never I tell never if you're kidding. Because, yeah. Because like <laughs> so there's never... these times where it's like just gonna ad lib here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see what's going on. Well maybe uh, it was maybe you were there. I don't he, he, he could have he might have been there because that was up yeah. north. You never he know. was in Justice League with us, yeah. unbeknownst to us until years later. That is that true. He, oh, no we way. were in the same theater. Yeah, oh, we were man. all at the same show. That's, that's like a comic book. Like, meanwhile, it's like yeah. Carlos is like over here, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> he rose over. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Uh, oh, man. And, and, and like, my fandom for this is like, I don't know, man. Like, to me, like, the fandom and like the legacy is like, I get excited when I hear people like talk about these movies. And like, I, it's like, I kind of like forget about them. And then when I hear like the excitement on the podcast from you guys, or on the internet, I'm like, shit, I think it's time for a rewatch of these films. So it's just like, just listening here, I was just like, you know, I really think I should go through like the Star Wars films again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like something that probably, well, I know it wouldn't have happened five years ago if it wasn't for this podcast and it wasn't for The Force Awakens. You know, if I heard people excited for them, I'd be like, yeah, I should watch Star Wars uh, eventually, but I'm going to watch this rare, obscure 1980s horror I film. I'm watch all 13, Italy. whatever it is, Jason movies. <laughs> Right the thirteenth, yeah, man. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the legacy of it. Is like it made me invest like time and money into into Star Wars and like the theories and stuff. And like even at Super Bowl, when like I would be watching for the game, <laughs> but I would see the trailer of Star Wars, and I would like perk up and I'd be like, oh, what's going on here? You know, it wasn't just like okay, the game's on halftime. All right, I'm gonna go. I'll be back after when the game starts again you know what i mean um so like to me like it's definitely made me like more aware of it mm-hmm. and like even like in in commercials like you watch when the force awakens came out star wars was in everything man shit star wars was selling like cell phones they were selling like cars like Bananas. every like every yep. brand yeah man wanted to get in on the star wars you know money so they probably made enough money through licensing <laughs> they very lucrative business that is merchandising through Star Wars. <laughs> oh yeah right like you never yeah, you sure lose did. money yeah. unless it's yeah <laughs> unless it's solo but no i'm just kidding uh yeah so that's um that's it man that's it it's a whole kid wicked. caboodle wicked I, I like both of those you've got the legacy of of really what star wars did for pop culture and a bit more of a personalized legacy there for you kind of based around that experience same question you troy man the legacy of the Force Awakens, for you, for fandom, for whatever, however you want to tackle this question, but mm-hmm. where where does it stand for you? Um, so yeah, as it stands, it's 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 a, it's my third favorite all time Star Wars film, and it's kind of cool because it's the first of the new trilogy that makes my you know my uh my number three spot, and then I got the last of the prequel trilogy that makes my number one, sometimes number two, and then I got Empire in the middle of the OT. So I got a bit of both from each uh, each trilogy there, but um, for me it's a, it's a special spot because is is like I mentioned before is that time where my wife finally kind of got it and was like I like this I like this movie and we could always go back and forth and talk it even to this day coming off of the heels of the Mandalorian we're we're still talking about the Force Awakens so um, that will always be a, a special place for sure in this household. Um, 
kind of like Carlos too, man. You know, like it's kind of cool. Like seeing this film now again, it, it goes to show that um, with time it heals all wounds, right? Because, mm-hmm. like I mentioned before, coming off of uh, Clone Wars the animated, I was done with Star Wars, and then along came the 2015 Force Awakens, and I was back in it, and then you know, kind of fell off again. And then, you know, here we are five years later and like the Mandalorian's around. So it's, it's cool to show that, you know, the more Star Wars content, the better really, because it's hitting everybody. There's Star Wars for everyone right now, whether you like certain properties of it or not, there's, there's one to be bound there for you. And uh, Force Awakens is one of them for me that definitely worked. Um, I mentioned before the chemistry with the, the big three there, that's something I'll always love. And it kind of, it's, it's something that's like, um, I'll never get again. I don't feel like, but it's it's cool because it's just like its own special little box mm-hmm. for me. Episode seven, and um, yeah, man, the the cinematography is one of the big things for me. I think it's one of the best looking Star Wars films of all time. I mentioned the battles. The score yes. was incredible. I, I, I it might be, I think between that and Last Jedi, it might be one of the best of the sequel trilogy scores. Uh, Last Jedi score was phenomenal, but. Um, this is the one that introduces us to Ray's theme. And that yeah. that one to me is, is truly magical. Yeah, and that shot of her going down the sand dune. Like, I love that, right? And then uh, Rise of Skywalker kind of goes back to it when she goes to Tatooine. Yeah. All that stuff's cool. And um, and for me, you know, like we mentioned before about, um, I think Carlos mentioned it before, how this kind of like you tread some of episode four, a little bit of like a soft like reboot, remake almost in a sense. But um, for me, I kind of like this one because this is the one that really spoke out to me where whether it was intentional or not, but it's kind of like George Lucas's whole motive, right, is the um, poetry kind of repeats itself in the world of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat when you have episode seven to kind of kick off this new franchise. And yeah, it's a little similar, which at the time didn't really, I didn't really notice, but it is a little similar to episodes four. But again, it's just like that poetry where we're, we're going back there because that's just kind of what Star Wars is. And we, we see that every now and then. So yeah, man. Episode seven. Love this movie. Love this movie. I always go back to it, man, a couple times a year. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's fantastic, man. Well, and, and that's why I really want to do this look back, right? Because I find that to me, A New Hope and Force Awakens are the two movies I always put on over the holidays. Mm-hmm. And The Force Awakens made the tradition of seeing Star Wars at Christmas yeah. something that I find now inherently linked to the holiday. It's it's a movie that I hold near and dear for for all the reasons that you guys talked about about it reinvigorating the Star Wars fandom and the franchise itself, but also what it's done for us, what it's done for us as a fandom, what it's done for us individually. It is, and I will continue to say it, it is one of the biggest motivators behind this podcast and why we are here every single Tuesday recording with each other. This has just become something that is ingrained in our families. It's Tuesday. Well, we'll see you at 7.30, probably see you around 11. And <laughs> it, it is this film that in a big way gave us the the motivation to get behind the mics and start creating. And that for me is the legacy of The Force Awakens. It, it does all the stuff that you guys said, but it, it's really what gave us the energy here to go 250 episodes, guys. Like, I, I love this film for for so many reasons, but that one in itself almost eclipses all of them. And also, I've got you know too much money spent in Black Series now. <laughs> 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 so there it is, guys. Episode number two hundred and fifty: a retrospective look at the Force Awakens. It's not a review, just a look at some of the most significant, important pieces of that film and what it's done for us. And we'd love to hear what the force awakens means to you guys. 
five years out, we've all been in this fandom together one way or another since The Force Awakens kicked off. So what did this movie and what is the legacy of this movie for you guys? You know, let us know. Twitter, email, you guys know where it's at. End of the episode, you can find all that neat stuff. But we're going to leave you with a couple things here, guys. This episode will have dropped on December 24th. And, you know, peek behind the curtains, we're recording this a little bit early. But (laughs) I just want to thank you guys again for being here every single Thursday listening with us, going on this crazy journey with us. 2021, you know, one thing we always say in the nerd room here is we never stop evolving. We never stop moving forward. We take the product and we move it and we evolve it. And 2021 is going to be no different from that, guys. 250, we are done. We are dusted. It is a milestone, but it is now in the rear view. We've got so much great stuff planned for 2021. 2020 has been a weird year, guys. <laughs> a really <laughs> weird year. And 2021, yeah, I don't think clicking over into January 1st is going to make any real significant distance or difference, I should say. I want to put distance behind this year. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to be changing things up here, guys. Not in a significant way, but we're going to be adding content in the new year. We're going to be doing things slightly differently. We're going to be collaborating with other podcasts, other friends, and continue to bring that content every single Thursday, guys. So thank you very much for coming back every single week into the Nerd Room. And guys, have a safe and happy holidays. Spend it with your loved ones inside of your home. And next year, guys, we will be able to get at it with family, with friends, and celebrate like it is 2021. But guys... (laughs) (laughs) Take care. We wish you all the best. Boys, I want to give you each an opportunity to sign off here. Just any well wishes, anything you want to say as we close out episode 250. Sanjay, we'll kick it off with you, man. Oh, man. I'm always so nervous whenever you start with me, but hey, you can only go up from here. Um, just want to say, you know, thanks everyone for listening. Um, you know, give a sh- except for that one person that listens that always sticks in my cry. You know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Um, Man, thanks to everyone for listening. It's crazy that we're still doing this. When we first started, I thought we'd have maybe our wives and our moms listening. So they see that people are actually listening and interacting with us on Twitter. Like Twitter is just such a weird space, but like interacting with you guys makes it worthwhile. Like I sometimes debate, like, do I even need this app? And then like I interact with you guys out there and I'm like, yes, this is the reason why I'm on Twitter. It's because of you, the people. So, you know, thank you so much. Keep that coming. Um, and um, to each of you guys, all you ho- all the hosts, Tim, Troy, Carlos, thanks guys for like making my week. You know, every Tuesday when we record, it's just like, I know we can't be there in person, but it feels like we're there in mm. person, just cracking jokes with you knuckleheads and um, sitting back. And it's just, it feels like, feels like a little bit of normalcy in, in what has been a weird year. Uh, I want to wish everyone happy holidays. Stay safe out there. Um, you know, next year we're going to, I don't know, next year we're going to do something crazy because we can uh, when, when we're able to, I don't know what, but, you know. Sanjay Fest. Sanjay Fest 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, man, what about oh, you? Yeah, man. Closing comments. Uh, 
Yeah, but I guess first and foremost, you know, uh, just for everyone out there, uh, it, it's been a crazy year, obviously. 2020 has been nuts. So for everyone out there that's uh, going through whatever, uh, you know, just just keep your head up and, and stay strong. And uh, we're going to get through this, man. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we're going to get through this. And uh, it's been great, though, um, doing it with not only, obviously, the trio here, um, you guys, but also everyone out there uh, listening. Uh, so many guys I could list off, but I'll just, you know, mention Twitter gang. You guys have been phenomenal always. And it's, I, I love, love talking with you guys, man, whether it's comic books, whether it's music these days, um, anything out there, man, the video games, all that stuff. So uh, it's just, it's, it's been a blast, man. Just getting to know you guys through, uh, through Twitter, I guess, which is crazy. Cause it's something I was never ever used to until I got onto this podcast. So that's always been a blast, man. I'm looking forward to eventually uh, the movie theaters next year opening up so we can really get in to some of those reviews and go at it and talk about our favorite movies or our worst movies, you know, that happens too. (laughs) So um, yeah, man, it's just, listen, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Happy holidays and everyone, please stay safe. Basically coming from your boy, Troy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goddamn Batman. Yeah, man, I guess uh, last man in will be the last man out today. And uh, you know what? What a blessing it is to be part of this podcast. I guess this is officially the end of my first full year. Mm -hmm. And this podcast will be releasing pretty close to the two-year anniversary of when I first met you guys at the the apprehensive Aquaman um, (laughs) screening. But, you know, that one pitbull needle drop, Troy and I bonded indelibly for life. We became bros that day. Or that moment. That yes. was the moment that we that bonded, man. Pitbull dropping that woohoo. <laughs> what <laughs> the hell was that? Mr. 305. Yeah. yeah the cinematic history, history man. Cinematic yeah. history. You know what? Whatever people make of that needle drop, I love it for the sheer fact that like we became linked at that moment in time. It was just like Force Awakens when that lightsaber goes flying and (laughs) Ray picks it up. That might as well have been the needle Uh, (laughs) in that Aquaman movie. But uh, yeah, like I said, I truly, after a year of being here, every time feels like the first time still because it's always fresh and exciting. And I feel blessed to be here. And I wish everybody out there Christmas blessings. And what an opportunity and what a door that's been opened with this podcast to connect and collaborate with a whole bunch of different people and podcasts that I was a listener of before. I'm now in interactions with the folks running them and we're looking at doing some cool stuff with a lot of cool people in 2021. And um, yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Happy holidays. Stay safe and just keep a positive outlook. Better days are ahead of us and um, tune into Wonder Woman and off we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, it's a great way to end off guys. And I had to say next episode guys, two fifty one. It's going to be our 2020 look back. We're going to <laughs> do the year in review. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year. We're looking back at film experiences collecting all of it in 2021 that's going to be followed up by episode number 252 our wonder woman 84 review guys is going down the first thursday in january our wonder woman 84 review will be in the feed and that will be followed up by our 2021 most anticipated episode so looking forward 
into what will be inevitably another wild year in this space. So really looking forward to the next couple of weeks, guys, as we get through December 2020 into 2021 and looking forward. And like the guy said, stay positive out there, guys. Smile. Just just be safe, too. You know, there, there's a lot going on. And now is the time to just reflect a little. We've got that opportunity to do so. And uh, let's make 2021 another crazy wild year and nerd and so again guys let's sign off for episode 250 so guys for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy i'm batman and i'm still here (laughs) he certainly is all right guys we'll talk to you next week and thank you very much for entering the nerd room just before we send you guys off here we'd like to send a big episode number 250 thank you to our wives to our children and to all our listeners out there. We'd like to give special recognition to the following. Grab, Stu, Kyle, Carlos, and Corey from the Tumbling Saber, Rob Cass, Rob Wade, Mark Godseth, Rob Williams from the Generation X-Wing Podcast, Mike Tarkin from the Sandcrawler Podcast, Rick and Pete from Jammed Transmissions, Darth Goody, Dave Ronzi, Chris, Daniel, David, Jared, Brad, Joey, Elliot, Dalton, Josue, Cody, Emily, Sergio, Duncan, Ty Guy, Tyler from the Chatter Squadron, Ben, Pete and Eric from Straight Outta Gotham, the Vigilante Boys, and the Let's Go crew. Thank you guys all for being a big part of the Nerd Room in 2020, and we look forward to hanging out with you guys, podcasting with you guys, and experiencing Nerd with you guys in 2021. Everyone have a safe and happy holidays. All the best. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.